Uh, y'all, y'all forgive me, I'm fighting something in the sinus area. I don't know if it's allergies or if I have a cold, uh, but y'all, if I'm gravelly and stuffy, oh yeah. So uh, I get to do all those fun songs like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, that guy, and all, if you know who that is. Uh, had a quick word of, yeah, Ferris, anybody know who Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Raise your hand, please. All right, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Hopefully that's cla- uh, classic enough that all generations watch that. So anyways, um, also I had a quick word of knowledge. Does anybody have a, pr- a uh, problem with a tooth in the upper right part of their mouth or problems with their jaw? Like when you, o- is there a little bit of p- pain when you open your jaw? Okay. All right. I'll get around Zach real quick when I pray for you, Zach. Which is it, Zach? Is it your tooth or your, jo- your jaw? Okay. Father, we just declare your healing over Zach. We command the pain to leave right now in Jesus' name. Father, you would not have given this word of knowledge if you didn't want to heal it. So, Father, we just declare pain leaves and healing is released right now in Jesus' name. All right, Zach, test it out a little bit, bud. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's pray for it again. Father, we command... TMJ bows to Jesus right now. Thank you, Father. Just release your presence on Zach. All the pain to leave right now in Jesus' name. All right, Zach, tell us how how it is. It's good? All right. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love you. Love you, Jesus. Thank you. All right. I, uh, before we get into the sermon, I was, I've been listening to the book of Judges in my car. Uh, just when, I, when there's times when I don't get enough time to sit down and read the Bible as far as the way I like to read it, which is a big chunk of time. Uh, when you have kids and you train people early in the morning, sometimes you don't get these big chunks of time. So in the car, I'll listen to the Bible if anything, I just want it washing over me. And usually what happens is if I, if I listen to three or four chapters on the way to work, there's one thing that stands out of those three or four chapters for me uh, because I'm more, definitely more visual kind of guy. But I was listening uh, to the book of Judges, which is a very interesting book. Read it if you haven't read it because it's, uh, it's got some crazy tales in there. But uh, Judges chapter 10 God raised up judges to deliver them from their enemies. That's the premise. And uh, you, at the start of the book of Judges, it talks about the end of Joshua's leadership and how he got them into the promised land, but even when they got into the promised land, they still had to fight the enemy. And so Jesus, he is the promised land. He is the fulfillment all, of all the promises of God. Because it says in the New Testament, it says that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the promised land. So if you have Jesus, you're in the promised land. So just look at your neighbor and say, I am in the promised land. 
I'm in the promised land. And so you've arrived. Say, look at your neighbor and say, I've arrived. <laughs> but the book of Judges is about how the enemy was still in the promised land, but the Israelites did not, they failed to drive them completely out. And so it, what, that's the big story of Judges the overarching theme is compromise. When you compromise or when you try to manage the enemy, he's going to come after you. You end up worshiping their gods. That's what happened in the book of Judges. When you compromise or you try to manage your sin, manage your idols, whatever it is, and you don't uh, let Jesus get militant about it and you don't surrender you end, up, you end up worshiping that thing. And so in Judges 10, there's a, it lists a few different judges that God ra- rose, uh, raised up, and they delivered Israel for a time, but they would always go back to worshiping the idols. And at this point in the chapter, they began to repent because the Philistines and uh, the Amalekites were oppressing them, and they cried out to God for relief. And this, I heard this when I was listening to the Bible this past week, it says God grew impatient with their misery. What does that tell you about the father? He's a good father. He grew impatient with their misery. Sometimes we think God is just smiling at our misery. We think that he is just like, yeah, they're going to learn a good lesson after this. And sometimes... You know, we need to learn the lesson because we're at, what we're doing is we're worshiping idols. And God <laughs> will let us, the consequences of sin and, and idols come through in our life. But God doesn't desire that. This is the thing about God's patience. And in Exodus 33, it says, what about his anger? Is he quick to anger? No, he's, he's slow to anger. And then in Judges 10, it says that he is impatient with your misery. And, uh, you know, sometimes we don't like the timing of God. But Peter said, God does not count, his, you know, his slowness is basically, his, well, I can't remember exactly, it's slipping my mind, but God's timing is different. His, his timing is different. A, a day is like a thousand years. So I want you just, I just want you to understand that about God's heart, heart is he is impatient with your misery. <laughs> I just love that. All right, so. We want to talk about seeing in the spirit and uh, seeing in the spirit is very important to us as a church, as a body, as a community, because that's what God wants us. That's how he wants us to see. (laughs) So what's important to God is important to us. Jesus uh, often says, you know, you don't, he said about the Pharisees, this is what Isaiah said about these, these people. They have eyes to see, but do not see. They have ears to hear, but do not hear. And we have, we have the ability to see in the natural, but we need the ability to see in the spirit. And it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. It takes the Holy Spirit to be able to see in the spirit. So it means you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. It means you have to hear what he's doing and see what he's doing. And uh, that's part of developing a prophetic culture in our church is that we want everybody, everybody prophesies, Okay. There's different uh, 
I guess you could say, depths of the prophetic as far as, you know, there's some guys who are really, they're called to be a prophet, like hold the office of the prophet, like Ephesians 4 talks about. It says apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But everybody in the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 14 and 12 and 13 talks about it, says that everybody gets to prophesy. And, uh, and what that is, is just seeing in the spirit, hearing what God's saying about a person and just repeating it. It's really simple. It's, there's no like uh, magic dust you got to have or anything like that. You just got to know Jesus. And so uh, we're going to talk about this a little more in depth. And so Isaiah chapter 11 is going to be our main scripture that we're taking from. But this is a prophecy about Jesus, and it's a prophecy about what his rule and reign is going to look like when he comes back. All right. So it says, Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make a decision by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he will judge the poor, and decide with fairness for the afflicted of the earth, and he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Also righteousness will be the belt about his loins, and faithfulness the belt about his waist. So, you have uh, seven spirits of God mentioned here that the Revel- book of Revelation talks about. The spirit of the Lord is one, spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We're not going to get into that. But it says, the main thing I want us to focus on is that it says, he will delight in the fear of the Lord and he will not judge by what his eyes see nor make a decision by what his ears hear. That he's talking about Jesus the perfect one, the sinless one. This is what Jesus, this is how Jesus operates. So if Jesus operates this way with a pure heart, how much more do we need to operate in this way as his disciples? So we are administrators of the kingdom. So I talked about what Isaiah 11 is about, but it's a passage about what Jesus' government will look like, okay? Okay. Jesus told us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so he gave us a commission and to not only pray, but to help facilitate God's kingdom in the earth, to help see it manifest in the earth. So, but we we live in the tension of now, but not yet. We haven't, we won't fully experience the fullness of God's kingdom until Jesus returns, but it's increasing It says the gospel in Colossians 1 increases every day. In Isaiah 9, it says there's no end to the increase of his his government. So it increases every day until its culmination when Jesus returns. But what do we do until Jesus gets back? (laughs) We release the kingdom of heaven in a a measure and what uh, our relationship allows for with Jesus. So the book of Revelation refers to us as priests and kings who are the vessels of implementing God's kingdom, heaven on earth. And this is the verse, chapter 5, verse 10. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to a God, 
and they will reign upon the earth. So Jesus is originally, he's the, he's the one that created blind justice. <laughs> when Jesus judges, it's not based upon color, looks, past, present, socioeconomics, potential education, etc. It's based on what he hears from the Father. And it says that the Father, that the foundation of his throne is righteousness and judgment. And so this is a part of cultivating a prophetic culture. We only go by what we hear or see the Lord saying or doing. Okay? We, when we see somebody, we don't want to judge the book by its cover. We, our first response is like, Lord, what are you saying about this person? What's your heart? What's the treasure in this person? Because everybody, you look long enough at somebody, you hang out with, how many of y'all ever had roommates? Y'all like best friends, and then y'all start living together. You're like, man, I don't like this guy too much. Yeah, you're gonna, you live with somebody long enough, you, you know them long enough, you're going to start to see some warts and some, the not-so-glorious areas of their life. And so those things, can, those things, can, things can start to drown out the treasure that God created them to be. Now, it's not that you don't ignore habitual problems and, you know, if they're, and all that kind of stuff. You're not ignoring sin. You're not ignoring problems. But you're holding people accountable, all right? So this is, the way, this is actually what account, accountability means. You're holding somebody to an account for their ability. So if I, anytime there's a, uh, a confrontation about something, it's because it's like, hey, man, you're not living up to God's ability in you. And then also accountability is not only a, a correction or confrontation, but I'm, a, accountability is part of the prophetic. It's part of encouraging somebody. It's like, man, you did a, even if it's just a simple observation, it's like you did a great job honoring your wife yesterday. You did a great job. You're doing a great job as a daddy. And what, what that does is that's, that's New Testament accountability. It's, uh, accountability, the old paradigm was, hey, man, what sins have you done this week? And when you focus on sin, guess what you're going to do? You're going to sin some more. But when, people are, when God calls you up, when you speak his thoughts, his words to people, then that's, that's what uh, they step into instead of the sin that you, call, you keep talking about. But at the same time, like I said, you don't ignore it. But you focus on what God, the way he sees. So it says that Jesus delights in the fear of the Lord. He delights in the fear of the Lord. Jesus delighted in submitting himself to the Father. He delighted in preferring the Father. He delighted in honoring the Father. He delights in the fear of the Lord. Jesus knew what submission was like. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he was given that place by his Father because he surrendered himself to his Father. That's what Philippians 2 talks about. It says, he, may, he became obedient even to the point of death, death on a cross. Therefore, God gave him the name that is above every other name. So this is one of the ways Jesus was an overcomer. He overcame stereotypes, presumptions, expectations, political and religious paradigms, that were placed on people. So if God saw people the way we do, David would have never been made king. 
If God saw people the way we do, David would have never been king. One of his, one of his older brothers, who was a bigger stud than David in the physical, would have been made king. And Israel would have gotten owned by the Philistines. But God doesn't look at the outside appearance. Because Samuel was the prophet, and he was going down the line. He's like, this guy's a stud, God. It has to be him. He's the oldest, too. God's like, no, keep going. He's like, well, this guy's pretty studly. He looks big, strong, and handsome. That's what a king looks like. He's like, no, keep going. He goes all the way down the, you know, eight brothers. And the Lord said, and then Samuel asked Jesse, he said, do you have uh, another son? <laughs> he said, yeah, he's David, but he's in the field. He's just, it's not, it's not David. That's why I didn't bring him here. But he's, he's watching the sheep. And the Lord said, that's the king. You need to anoint David. And David uh, obviously was the greatest worship leader in history, <laughs> but also the greatest warrior that uh, the Bible speaks about. So the, this is the key to developing prophetic culture. We don't see hindrances. We see possibilities. When you look at somebody, ask God, what are the, what are the possibilities for this person? Or even a, a situation like, God, what are the possibilities for what you want me to do in Athens? This is a good question to ask God. Ask God, say, what is one impos- what's one impossible thing you want me to do, Father? Because that's what God operates in. He operates in the impossible realm. If there's something, if he's asked you to do something that's possible in your own strength, then you need to get a bigger vision. Because God likes doing the impossible. So God's heart is the place of seeing So to truly see someone in the spirit, we need to observe them, not from our perceptions from the soul realm, just meaning your emotions and and, uh, your natural eyes, but from a place in God's heart. So we need to get away from snapshots of people. So sometimes we meet somebody and we're like, oh, this this person is like far offish and they're they seem really shy, or this person's a jerk, or this person's loud and obnoxious, or whatever. You just get a snapshot. You've never, you, you're, you're making a judgment off a very, very small piece of time, and we tend to do that. But snapshots of people often only reveal them in a moment, not in the entirety of their personhood, and snapshots actually reveal more about ourselves than them. It reveals our hearts, reveals our prejudices, our invalid perceptions. So we're going to look at a couple of snapshots and then see what comes to mind. So this is the first one. When you look at that, anybody know who that is? That's right. So you look, at, you look at this picture, you'd be like, man, she's smelling something rank. Or you, you'd be like, man, she's somebody, she's really offended. She's upset. She's, a, she's unhappy. She's an unhappy person. This is Beyonce, guys. I, I know, it doesn't. It doesn't even look like Beyonce. But this is just a snapshot of her while she's performing. But she, she happened to get caught making an ugly face. And so this is, 
you know, when you step back and you ask God, God, how do you see it? Typically, this is what he starts to show you. He starts to show you the beauty. He starts to show you the treasure that is in them. But we get stuck on that first one, the first impression. Graham Cook says, I don't take my first impressions very seriously. And you've heard it said, because in the, you've heard it, people say first, you only get one chance to make a first impression. That's, that's true. Just doesn't mean that people should judge you on first impressions. You do only get one chance to make a first impression. But as believers, we're not going to let that create a label on that person. So as the see, so seeing in the spirit is about seeing the invisible. We are looking for God's heart in our circumstances. And seeing in the spirit is about developing our internal vision of God so that our external procession becomes glorious for the people we're looking at. It means that we're so full of God that it, it's going to filter every, everybody in the way we see them. I just mentioned that quote from Graham Cook. I don't take my first impression very seriously. Matthew chapter 7 says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the way you judge yourself is the way you judge others. If you find that you're often criticizing people, criticizing things, criticizing the Georgia Bulldogs, whatever. If you're just critical and you can find a fault in anything, chances are you find a lot of fault in yourself. Chances are you examine yourself and you don't, you don't like yourself a whole lot or you're criticizing yourself all the time. And so what comes out of your mouth is just a manifestation of what's in your heart. I don't care what anybody says. The Bible says, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. So everybody can argue that all day long. I'm going with the word of God. And so, but the key is, you, what did Jesus say was the key to loving your neighbor? Love yourself. And you do, if you do not know how much God loves you, you will never love yourself. And then that just sets up the chain reaction of, I don't love myself, I don't love other people, I criticize myself, I criticize people, I see the fault in myself, I see the fault in people, and it ends up not being a very fun life for you. <laughs> but people like being in that place, it makes them feel powerful to be critical, because hey, look at what's wrong over there. I know what's better. It's a self-righteous stance. 
And, you know, and there's times to call, call out the truth and love and that kind of thing, but there's a difference. There's a difference when you focus on what's not, if you're focusing on what's not happening all the time, that's a critical spirit. People who want to see change, you focus on what needs to happen. And you become a part of the solution. And you ask God to give you the grace, give you the power, give you the resources to see that change happen. When you criticize yourself, when you're criticizing other people, you probably don't feel very powerful. You have been given the ultimate permission to be powerful in Christ. When, if you are in Christ, there is no excuse not to be powerful. Because the impossible is now allowed to bow its knee. When you, and God gives you a vision, you have all the resources of heaven. If it's a heaven vision, it's going to be backed up by the resources of heaven. That's what provision means. Provision means I'm going to take your vision and propel it forward. So God, every vision that he gives somebody for the impossible, he makes the provision for it. So this is our... Go back. So this is a good clean eye. Good clean eye. I can see clearly. And then we have some logs start popping up. That log's called bitterness. Somebody wronged you. Somebody didn't get justice. Somebody got away with something. That's, the, that's sometimes the hardest part. There's, there's going to be justice one day. <laughs> but it's not your job. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. And the great news is for believers on judgment day, it's not a day of judgment of heaven or hell. It's a day where God will ask you, were you faithful with what I gave you? That's what, you, that's what you're accountable for. And so one of my prayers is, God, let me, let me be found faithful when I stand before you. So bitterness. James in chapter 3 actually talks about these things. These are, this is demonic wisdom. You want to you flow in some demonic wisdom? Get bitter. Here's another log. Rejection. Sometimes you may have experienced some rejection in your life, maybe in your childhood, but that, that's flowing over into your adult life. You need to get healed. So you see everybody, you see somebody, uh, if I were to make up a hypothetical example, you're, in a, you're at a get-together, and you're like, hey, man, how are you doing? He's like, good. He's like, oh, excuse me for one second. And, you know, he, maybe he saw his, uh, somebody trying to get into his car, and he had to give them some money that they had agreed to exchange for a compound bow that he had bought from Jonathan House. And so, like, but you just saw it was like, man, I just shook this dude's hand, and he immediately left. Man, and you just feel rejected, but it's, it's quite the opposite. The guy just, he had to get away for a moment. 
And so you just drew a conclusion from a snapshot. And you didn't retreat in the Lord. There's times where, you know, I felt like the Lord, I would tell the Lord, like, Lord, have you forgotten me? Silly stuff. I've told this story before. We had one of my spiritual heroes is a guy named Jack Frost who's passed away, but he, uh, his name is really Jack Frost. And so uh, he came to our church in Fort Worth, was ministering, and Steve Fish, who y'all gonna, if you're here October 18th, you'll get to meet Steve. Steve had asked my buddy Gary to take Jack to the airport. And, you know, we're just, he's such a hero of ours, we're just looking for any tidbit of time to spend with him. Gary came up to me, he's like, yeah, dude, I'm going to take Jack to the airport. And I didn't hear anything after that. This is the internal process. You're going to take Jack to the airport? Okay, yeah, that's cool, man, awesome, yeah. I mean, I was crying on the inside. Gary walks off, and I literally say, God, have you forgotten me? I had some rejection issues. I had some orphan issues. <laughs> I didn't think I had a father that was going to take care of me. And so sometimes that filters what, what's going on in our lives and where we see people. And uh, I was just instantly, I was com- started comparing myself to Gary. He's like, why, why did Gary get to take Jack? Is there something that he did that I didn't do? Whatever. Another log, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. They'll go on skipping around in life while you rot. Do not hold on to unforgiveness. And sometimes forgiveness is a choice. It doesn't matter if you feel like forgiving somebody. A lot of times the emotions are not going to be there. You make a choice to forgive, and sometimes... A lot of times, I would say, you got to do it more than once. So you wake up, you start, you feel the animosity towards somebody in your heart. You're like, Lord, I choose to forgive this person. The next morning, you wake up, hadn't changed much. Lord, I choose to forgive this person. I choose to forgive. Every time you think about that person, Father, bless them. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. And what happens is, God, by, the, by your choice, God enables forgiveness to, to be established in your heart. And then you may actually feel like forgiving the person. You may actually start loving the person more than you ever have because God does that kind of stuff. He makes you love your enemies. And then envy and jealousy. I talked about that with Gary. That's another good demonic piece of wisdom. <laughs> you don't want to have it. all these affect your vision of yourself and of others. So you got to get these logs out of your eyes to be able to see in the spirit. So how do I cultivate eyes that see? These are some practical ways to do that. You need to, first of all, you got to get in touch with how much God loves you. Look up all the scriptures about how much God loves you. Meditate on those. Pray them. Sing them out. You love me with an everlasting love, and you've drawn me with loving kindness. Make a song out of that. Make a prayer out of that. You are, I am your beloved son in whom you are well pleased. 
You just, you, t- you gather, get all those scriptures together, and, you, and that's what you do, is you meditate on those, and you renew your mind about what your father thinks about you. When you start to do this, you're going to see others the same way you see yourself, and you'll discover God's heart. Second thing, don't take your first impression seriously. We went to Burning Man two or three weeks ago. If we took our first impression seriously, we would be offended at every turn. There's people in camps down the street participating in orgies as we walked by. There is people, uh, there's parents that had their kids there in that place. You, there's people, you know, dozens and dozens, hundreds of, t- of opportunities to get offended and be like, I can't believe they're doing that. But, but God is on a seek and rescue mission. So you got to have his eyes. And that's one of the main things that we pray, Jesus, give us your eyes. Because if I don't have his eyes, all I'm going to see is all this outside stuff. And Jesus cuts, when you release his word, it cuts between soul and spirit, but cuts between bone and marrow. It just is like a sword. Cuts all that stuff right off. And you see that person for the way God created them to be. You see how much, you feel how much he loves them. So you cannot take your first impression seriously. Third, you just ask the Holy Spirit what he sees. So you got to just stay in communion with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, how do you see this person? It's simple. Just step back. How do you see this person? And so that just involves waiting on making a decision. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to wait on making a decision. And then fourth, ask God to remove any logs or hindrances to sing in the spirit. When Jessica and I, if we are, have been hurt by somebody, one of the first things we do is like, God, show us our stuff first. Show me my stuff first. Because I can be a contribution to the problem. I can, it's very possible that I'm a contribution to the problem when I'm having relationship problems. And so that's my first thing. I, was, I want to get, I want to see clearly. I want to get the logs out of my, out of my eyes. I want to get the, any bitterness, any expectations. They need to leave. And I need to see the way Jesus sees. So I want you to stand up. We're going to pray together. I'm sorry. Yeah. If uh, Alex and the Colin, if y'all come up here. We just, you know, just some uh, music for right now on the show, but you can join them later after we do the ministry. But we want, we want to see the way the Father sees. We want to see the world the way the Father sees it. Now, Facebook is another snapshot <laughs> forum. It's, it's a blessing and a curse in a lot of ways. But we want to look at the blessing. But don't, somebody says something you don't agree with, 
Ask him for the Lord. Ask the Lord for his heart for them. You can still not agree with them. Just ask him for his love to see them the way that he, that you see them. He sees them. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes that see and ears that hear. Help us see in the spirit. Help us see the way you see, Father. Your word in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 19 says, Unless you extract the precious from the worthless, you cannot be my spokesman. So, Lord, we want to extract the precious from the worthless. We want to be like you. We want to be like you, Father. That goes down the line. And we said, no, the shepherd king is in the field. To see the prostitute is one of the greatest intercessors in the Bible. <laughs> Mary Magdalene. To see the Pharisee To see Saul of Tarsus as the greatest apostle. We need to see like you do, Jesus. place. 